1: Welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. My name is Adriana Linares. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant. I travel around the country helping lawyers with their technology and and their computers and, and, and hopefully a lot of new solos to this show talking about the things that we think new solos are really interested in learning about. Today, I'm actually in New Orleans. I'm recording from the Paperless Chase Studios, which is um, run and owned by Ernest Svensson, a well known uh, technology consultant. His, he goes by Ernie the Attorney. I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of him. So I'm very excited and I want to thank him very much for letting us use his studio today. Before we introduce today's topic, we want to make sure and thank our sponsor, Solo Practice University. Um, Make sure you visit that website, especially as a new solo, even as an old solo, there's a lot of great material and content on there. So please make sure and pop by their their website at any time and, and check out the great offerings they have as far as education information for solos. On our last episode, we talked uh, about marketing for, for a couple of episodes. We did some some really cool episodes on different ways that lawyers can market. Today, I'm very excited to have Andrew Legrand in our studio, in Ernie's studio. Andrew is an attorney here in New Orleans. He's well-known as a business lawyer and helps a lot of small businesses. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: So as you said, I'm a business lawyer. I'm a general counsel to small businesses, ranges in size from small one-person operations to restaurants with 20 and 30 employees to some construction companies. So really just a general counsel. Uh, We work with them. We figure out what their legal needs are, give them a monthly price, and then kind of fit them with those needs and that price. Don't bill them other than that, and and just kind of go with them as a general counsel, figure out what the issues are and help them work through the everyday issues of running a business.
1: That's pretty cool. That must be fun. You must have all types of different clients. And wait, remind me, did you ever work at a big firm or have you always been solo?
2: No. So I graduated from law school in 2011 and about halfway through law school, right, kind of when people started to realizing the job market just hit rock bottom, Mm -hmm. I started thinking about going solo. Uh, And the more I read about that, the more I realized it was possible right out of law school. Um, so rather than trying to find a job in 2011 mm-hmm. when the job market was really tough, I just put that all to the side and kind of went gung-ho. Uh, and so I had about a year and a half to plan before I was even a lawyer. Oh. So I knew that the day that I got my certificate could practice, I would be a, a solo practice lawyer.
1: And so when you say, I knew that it was going to be a good time and it was possible, what were some of the things that made you believe that it was possible to just get out of law school and, and launch a new practice? As a new solo.
2: Well, there's a lot of resources out there for new solo. You mentioned uh, Solo Practice University, mm-hmm. Carolyn Elephant. That yeah. was actually one of them out there that she talks about, that you can do this. There's other lawyers blogging about this out there. There's this podcast. The more and more you look at those resources, the more and more you realize, oh, other people are doing this. This has happened. I connected with other lawyers here in the community who had done it before me. Uh, and realized that when push comes to shove, it's it's tough, but it's not terribly hard.
1: And New Orleans is a great legal community. So I've been coming here and working a long time. And I feel like this is one of the best legal communities where people are so helpful. And, you know, the city's gone through a lot. And maybe that's why. I don't know, you know, how much that has to do with it. But I feel that if I was you at that time, like you said, I talked to a lot of people. There were all these great resources. So I think um, I think it's really interesting that you were able to do that. So one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, because you're well known for this, and I find it amazing every time I watch you talk about it and watch you in action, is how automated you are with your practice. So... Tell us a little bit about when you decided that automation was going to be important and why.
2: Sure. So I guess before I decided to be a lawyer, I was a tech geek. I was a tech geek way before that. Um, and so knew I had technology skills and uh, eventually met Ernie. And Ernie was also a mentor early on in those early days and convinced me that I could also start this practice. And, and I knew I wanted to build a practice from the ground up to be very tech-heavy and very cloud-based. Uh, and the more and more I started doing the practice of law, practicing law, the more I realized there were mundane parts that used to be done by a paralegal or a secretary or something along those lines. Uh, Well, starting out early on, I really didn't have access uh, to the resources to hire a paralegal or a secretary or something along those lines to do that work for me. Um, So I turned to technology, and that's what I figured out what automation is, is how do you take a repetitive process that's consistent every time, and instead of paying someone to do it, Program a computer to do it for you.
1: Sounds like a no brainer. And where did you learn about what your options were on, you know, let me back up Mac or PC? I'm Mac.
2: 100%. 100%. iPhone, iPad. I started out, I was very hardcore PC, doubted the Mac for a long time. Okay. Uh, and then went iPhone and uh, eventually got the Mac and then iPad. And now it's just, it's too easy to be in the same ecosystem.
1: Okay. So you decided to go Mac. And what was the first thing you decided you should automate?
2: Well, automation is a very broad term, right? There's everything from can you automate that huge, big motion for summary judgment? I, you know, I don't know if you can get that far. Maybe you can if you're really good. Um, but the things that I find that are easy to automate and the things that I started automating are small snippets of text. You know, People would ask me for my email address or I'd have to type in my email address to log into whatever service I'm using. Um, Text Expander is an app that I use to automate the process of typing out my email address.
1: And is that kind of like when I start typing on my iPhone? Let's talk about something that a lot of people might be familiar with. I created a shortcut. So I have a long name, Adriana Linares, and my email is long and annoying, alinares at lawtechpartners.com. So I created a shortcut so that when I type ALTP, it spits out, it sort of explodes from ALTP to alinares at LawTechPartners.
2: Right, and right. that that's kind of the basic automation that I started with. People would ask me for my fax number, and I hated remembering it every time and always feared that I would type a wrong digit somewhere sure. and then get the wrong number. So instead of typing it every, every time, if you have a, a snippet for it, you're able to give someone your fax number, and it's perfect each and every time.
1: And the tool you mentioned for the Mac
2: is called? It's called Text Expander.
1: Okay, do you know of any for the PC?
2: Brevi is the PC equivalent, and we've used that, and uh, it actually they actually sync together. So if you're oh. Mac and PC, they can play friendly.
1: So if you're by by tech, as I call it?
2: If you're by tech, you can have... Okay. Yep.
1: Well, that sounds like a good place to start. And then there is that type of automation with uh, mobile phones and mobile devices of just being able to take small snippets of text. Okay, so you started small snippets, and then perhaps did they get bigger?
2: Sure. Those small snippets can evolve into bigger uh, common phrases that you use all the time. Uh, for example, there's usually a paragraph or two that you put in a, a cover letter to the clerk when you're trying to file a pleading. Um, you know, please find close, please find the yada, 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 and file this into the record and have it signed and this and that. Uh, that's an example of a snippet that I added that I created to where I wasn't having to type that out each and every, every time. time.
1: And what a lot of lawyers do painfully is they'll go find an old document that had that text copy, paste it, bringing it into a new document. So I think one of the benefits to doing it like this is, one, you're not wasting the time by going to find or trying to remember, you know, when was the last time I used that ADA clause that has to go in this document? And then leaving out metadata and code from the past document, which is a problem I see all the time in law firms, is a great benefit to automating those text snippets, whether they're small or large. With your text snippets, are you able to save formatted text, like your signature block, which is pushed over to the right, and there's a, it's bold, and then maybe your bar number is in italics. Does it also save formatting?
2: Yeah, to an extent, although I find that it works best if you use it in plain text. Uh, the reason I like Text Expander, and, and, I guess, to an extent, Preview over something like Word autocorrect or programs that have autocorrect built in or, or snippets built in is that these apps work across platforms. So sometimes I'm in an email. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm in Microsoft Word. uh, Sometimes I'm sending a text message. I have all these different places, and I want all those snippets available to me all the time. So what I've learned is that keeping them in plain text uh, works best.
1: And then formatting after if you have to.
2: Formatting after if I have to. I've learned to try to just avoid formatting because when push comes to shove, if I can avoid that, I, I save a lot of Excellent a lot of tip on the on the automation part.
1: All right. So, what was the next thing you
2: automated? Uh, so, I think it grows from you know simple snippets of text to, to bigger phrases as we get to, uh, and then it goes into document automation and producing Ooh. whole documents based off questionnaires. Um, and the, and the tool I really love for that is called the form tool, mm-hmm. and it is a plugin for Microsoft Word. So you, on the Mac, it does not work on the Mac.
1: hmm uh, I tricked you earlier. Yeah.
2: Yeah, See? it's the one,
1: and I remember. So, if it doesn't work on the Mac, how do you run it?
2: Uh, it? There is a you can install it on the Mac. It's there's a roundabout way of doing it. You know, installing Crossover and this and that, and I think you can get there. Uh, the way our firm run, runs it is, we actually have a, a remote server uh, on Microsoft's hosted system. And we run it on there. So whenever I need to create a document in the system, I fire up remote desktop connection and remote to a remote server that's somewhere in the world, uh, somewhere in eastern U.S., and connect to that and run the form tool on that.
1: So the reason I wanted to bring that up and wanted you to bring it up specifically is because you're a Mac guy, and you're really smart, and you're a techie. And I think it's amazing that there's this tool that is so valuable to you that that's what you, the extent you go to, to be able to use it. Were there no tools? Are there no tools for the Mac that do as much as the form tool does for you?
2: I couldn't find any. And the form tool is so simple, Mm -hmm. really, in what it does, but yet so complicated at the same time. Um, Simple
1: to create with complex output.
2: It's an add-on that you install into Microsoft Word. So it's not a separate program. Uh, It doesn't seem like Maybe under the hood, it's probably very complicated. But mm-hmm. on the surface, there's maybe 30 buttons that you can access to do different various things. Um, so I'd say on the front end, it looks fairly simple. But when you start digging down into what this program can actually do, it's as complicated as some of the more commercial solutions like hot Docs mm-hmm. uh, or something along those lines. And the reason I chose the form tool over the commercial product is that the form tool starts at about under $100 yeah, for a lifetime license, right. which is... I mean, silly, cheap compared to the time it saves me.
1: And I think a lot of definitely the hot docs has always been sort of the Cadillac of document automation and legal, but it always took almost a college degree to figure out how to use it. You know, I always had a hard time. I mean, it wasn't that hard, but to try and teach a lawyer who isn't interested in learning how to do complex automation, it was hard. So I think the form tool is a very powerful and simple tool. And tell me a little bit, so when you said earlier, through a bunch of questions and you know complex. Walk our listeners through what you mean by that. How do you create the question? What kind of give us an example of a form that you use it
2: with? Sure. So let, let's use an example of a last will and testament. It might be a, a question where you ask who is the who is the person making the last will and testament, and you would you would label that, and you would ask the question, and then you'd have a blank to fill in, uh, and you can ask for that person a pronoun for that person a he, he she, she it that sort of thing, uh, and so based off that just that one question. Do you get I, a lot of its. Not too many of okay, too. I mean, but, but it's New Orleans. It can be weird it's, here. It can be useful.
1: Sometimes, you know. I mean, and, you know, the world is changing.
2: Yeah. I, I have thought about making my forms broader in the sense. Sure. Yeah. Genderless. Genderless and, <laughs> and, and greater and, and, I guess, more politically correct, but I'm not that far yet. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but what I love is— when you decide to do it— One small example of how powerful this is is that it, it can do—a lot of programs do the merge field. Well, it'll take— Let's say it's your will and you're making it. It'll take your name that you just filled in and plug it into all the blanks. There's a lot of programs out there that will do that. Mail Merge does it. There's plenty of web-based tools that do it.
1: Right. It It can be baked right into your word processing system. Mm -hmm. What
2: the form tool does that I haven't found any other program that does, at least that's at an affordable price range, it will take your he, she, it, and it will change all the pronouns that you use throughout the document from his and hers mm-hmm. to he and her, and him and her, and, and us.
1: It, Does it do an us? Um, a we?
2: It can do an us or yeah. a we based on if there's multiple people entered there. Sense. Um, but can also do more than programming. So, example, when you're making a last will and testament, I would be a testator as a male. You're a testatrix as a female.
1: Don't talk to me like that, Andrew. <laughs>
2: So it recognizes you can program it, the the male and female versions of words that really might not be a big deal. But this is something that I programmed once, and now my last will and testament looks a little more advanced than one that just calls everyone a testator. Love it.
1: Okay. So you write all your own questions, and then you obviously pick what, if it's a multiple choice, you write the question, but then you also pick what the multiple choices would be. And then... Do your clients fill those questionnaires out themselves, or are you sitting in front of your computer saying, who else, what, how, spell your full name?
2: No, part of what I realized in, in automation is I do have a lot of forms that I use, but trying to give a form to a client means that the form has to look good mm-hmm. if I'm going to give it to them, and, and that's a lot of time and effort, and, and I'm not good at making things look good. I'm not cre- creative in that sense. I have no penchant for design or aesthetics or anything like lawyer. that. Right? And... I'd much rather have a good form, and I can walk through that and ask them the questions. And at the same time, I kind of know some of the answers myself. Um, and
1: it's helping you to get to know the client and the matter, And but you're inputting it all right into the form.
2: Right. Okay. And in theory, yeah, they do allow you to send it to somebody to ask them those questions, but you know what? I'd rather just call you up and ask the questions, and that way there's not a back and forth. And like I said, I use a lot of forms, and I think – it's, it's easy to ask people to fill out forms and push comes to shove. It's more personable to get, for me to fill it out or have my assistant call them and fill it out. And if they have questions along the way, we can answer those as yeah. we're going.
1: That's really great. Well, listen, before we move on to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor.
0: Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business there is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals solo practice university the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves more than 1000 classes 58 faculty and mentors what are you waiting for Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today.
1: Welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares. With me today is Angela Legrand. Angela, before we pick up where we left off, let's talk about your last name because it looks like La Grand.
2: It does. And, uh, but that's just not,
1: that's not how we do it.
2: No, you're down here in New Orleans, so mm-hmm. you have to take any word that you see. And if there's any possible way of pronouncing it in a French way, you have to pronounce it in a French way.
1: My mom, quick little side story, is not from this country, so she has really funny ways of pronouncing a lot of things. And New Orleans is challenging, right? It's Calliope, not Calliope. It's Burgundy. It's not Burgundy. So she came back from arizona and she was telling me she goes i went to this great place antelope canyon and i thought about it for a minute and i said mom you've spent too much time in new orleans i think you mean antelope (laughs) (laughs) she was so funny all right so when we left off we were talking about form automation are there any particular any other specific tips you want to talk or tell our listeners about form automation
2: Well, I think what's important about form automation, especially with the form tool, is that that document can grow over time doesn't have to be perfect the first time you use it.
1: Just start using it.
2: Just start using it.
1: Or something like that.
2: Uh, you know, you can use it for something as simple as, we, we started using it for our engagement letter, and actually just this past week there were some changes I wanted to make it in there for to make it easier for us to collect payments from people. So I went in there and changed the form. And now the entire template for every engagement letter we create after that is fixed. I'm not right. copying and pasting, or I'm not reusing an engagement letter from a previous client every time. That template is now in a fixed spot, and me or my partner know where to go when we're creating an engagement letter. It's let's go here and start. So all these documents are fixed in the future.
1: From a technical perspective and an ethics perspective and from the consultant side, I think that's great because a lot of the issues that I see with old documents, and I do talk about this all the time, when you dupe and revise, when you take a, a you know file save as, if there is any old information in those documents, previous clients, previous numbers, previous addresses, whether it's in the actual document itself and you miss something or in the metadata, that's very dangerous. But when you are birthing new documents from forms, and those forms are clean, you will never have that problem. And I think that's really important for lawyers to understand.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that's important. And and just from the lawyer side, I don't want to look to see, you know, if I made a document for you, I don't want to look to see where your name is every time. Right. It saves me the time and the stress of scanning every line, because I know that the document I just produced for Ernie, for example, is clean and doesn't contain any past information.
1: And a lot of people do a find and replace, which works fine, unless in one place in the document, it, the name was misspelled or you included a middle name where everywhere else, or a middle initial and everywhere else you didn't. So I, I think those are really important points to make sure we talk about. So we've been rattling on for a few minutes now, and I feel like you probably have a lot more information that you want to give. So we're going to do something we've never done before. Are you ready? You're going to be the first one. Uh-oh. I know. Are you Good excited? Yeah. yeah.
2: I don't know what we're doing. I think
1: we should split this into two episodes. So we're going to end this one now, which is a shame because it's been very, very helpful and very useful, but... I think what we'll do is just, I'm going to ask you to come back. Do you want to come back? I'd love to. Okay, well, let's do this again. But um, before I let you go for this episode, our first out of two, because then we're going to come back and we're going to go on. Tell our listeners how they can follow you, stalk you, send you questions, and learn more about you on the internet.
2: Uh, So Twitter is obviously an easy way, at Law by LeGrand, L-E-G-R-A-N-D. You can... Find my firm website, Sparalaw, S as in Sam, P as in Paul, E-R-A-Law.com, uh, or NOLASmallBizLaw.com is where I blog to small business owners about the everyday ins and outs of running a business in, in the great state of Louisiana.
1: And I think a lot of your tips are actually very um, helpful, even if you're not in Louisiana when, on, the, on the blog. You don't have to be in Louisiana just to pick up all your tips.
2: No, I try to provide uh, practical advice wherever possible. Good. I, I'm not much of a... Don't can't say I enjoy legal writing a whole lot. So you're not going to get any sort of big analysis there. But I try to provide practical advice to small business owners who are looking for something that's just straight into the point.
1: Well, that's great. Well, that brings us to the end of our first show because I've invited you to come back, and we're going to do it well. Nobody needs to know what, but we're going to do it later. I'm Adriana Linares, and thank you for listening. I want to thank Andrew LeGrand one more time for being a great guest, such a great guest, that we're actually going to do this again in the next episode. I'm uh, really looking forward to talking to Andrew a little bit more. Join us next time for that next great episode. And remember, you're not alone. You're a new solo.